I'm Susanna, and you're listening to the Jugad Community Podcast. to the Jagad Community Podcast. I'm your host, Trishala, and I'm part of the Jagad Community team. I'm so happy to have you here, whether it's your first time listening or you're back after episode one or two. The Jagad Community is the world's first learning community of over 4,700 people from 11 countries centered on modern-day Jagad and its various forms of driving value for individuals and the people around them. In this podcast, we explore modern-day Jagad through five conversations. Today, we're traveling to Ottawa in Canada to chat with Susanna Heath-Eves, documentary filmmaker and director of the 2017 independent film, Jagad. At this point of the pandemic, I've worked my way through almost every film or show in Netflix's library, or at least I've tried to. I spent the past two to three months researching Jagad and one night with one eye open after watching one too many shows, I typed Jagad into my search bar. And there it was, Jagad. No, really, an independent film called Jagad. I was surprised to say the least and didn't expect it. But to no surprise, I clicked play and what followed was a 52 minute immersive experience that stayed with me. Then I found out that the film was directed by Susanna, a woman who lives not too far from me here in Canada. Susanna is a documentary filmmaker who spends her time between her two homes in Ottawa, Canada and Mumbai in India. Her debut 2017 independent film, Jagad, is streaming globally on Netflix. Prior to Jagad, she was a line producer, reporter of current affairs for Canadian television and radio networks. Her goal has always been to explore global social justice issues and the collective human spirit through her work. We spoke about her evolving relationship with India, Jagad, both the film and the mindset, how she leaned into Jagad to make Jagad, the global response of the film, and finally, how the rise of technology and devices has led to more room, flexibility and creativity and frugal innovation in her field. Susanna is creative, compassionate and kind. This conversation was filled with fantastic insights, some that challenged my own assumptions. I'm thrilled to share this conversation with all of you, so let's get started. One of the things I love doing is starting these conversations with looking back um, and kind of better understanding the experiences that led you to where you are today and what you're doing. I know that it's impossible to kind of capture it in its entirety, but we'd love to know more about yourself and, and your journey, what that's been like. Um, I was born and raised in Canada, you know, spending my weekends in the Rocky Mountains, um, learning how to canoe and, you know, just do all sorts of different things in, in the outdoors. Um, so that was a big part of my upbringing. Um, but I also had some art influence in my life. My mom is a painter and uh, we, you know, grew up um, watching lots of movies and music and I grew up dancing. So there was a lot of um, sort of art, you know, appreciation at least in my life growing up. 
So I moved to Ottawa where my sister was living and I had family there and I got an English degree in university. And then a few years later, I went into journalism to explore documentary filmmaking. I just loved um, the filmmaking as soon as I started giving it a try. I just thought, okay, this is my medium mm -hmm. video. I really wanted to just make documentaries, but didn't really see the path. So I worked in journalism for a couple of years, mm -hmm. um, and that was really great. Um, I worked at CBC Radio and Television reporting and as an associate producer on a current affairs show. So I learned a lot about um, interviewing people and quick turnover and finding the focus in a story, chasing people, you know, getting people on the radio. Yeah. Um, but I still, like I didn't, it wasn't sort of filling that sort of creative need that I had to make documentaries. It wasn't quite the form that I wanted to be working in. Um, and I found it very exhausting to have to pitch stories every day. So I was spending all my free time like scouring newspapers and you know trying to find new story ideas to pitch every morning in our um, story meetings. Mm, and were these like new stories, local stories from the community? What was the nature of it? Yeah so the way that it works in um, like a in a in current affairs with these sort of daily radio shows mm -hmm. is it all has to be current, what's happening today. And so everyone um, meets at, you know, nine o'clock or something every morning and, and you sit around a table pitching your story ideas. And then the producer chooses the ones that we'll go ahead with and then we get assigned. Usually it's a story you pitch, but if they don't, you know, if they don't love your pitches, you get assigned something else. But I found it a bit um, just draining and maybe not my forte, maybe not my strong suit. So. I moved to Montreal with the hopes of working with a production company um, that made documentaries because a lot of the a lot of the films you see on Netflix or on CBC or wherever are made um, by independent production companies and then sold to a broadcaster or a streaming service. Um, and within about six months, I had a I had a job as a production manager um, with one of these companies um, and I was just organizing shoots for films. Mm -hmm. So I was um, started on a series of short films and then it moved into a, a feature length documentary and I was just researching stories and finding the right characters for it and you know booking them and then planning the shoots, planning travel. So, like I learned so much about filmmaking just by being in that role and understanding what goes into it specific production companies ethos um, and you know values around filmmaking mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful to have had that opportunity but then I realized I really needed to go off and make my own film you know I, I needed to do my own storytelling so I um, found a way to get myself to Mumbai to pursue this film that I had been um, developing and uh, and I made you God that's wonderful and I have so many questions to ask you tied to the film. As I was doing a bunch of research on you and your work and as I was going through the projects you've been a part of, I noticed that many of them put the spotlight on social justice issues. There's a strong sense of purpose that comes through in your work. Why is it important for you to highlight these stories and issues through your medium? Well, I've, I just naturally gravitate to those stories. Um, I care a lot about social justice. I just think it's the 
the world needs to be a more just place. And I recognize that I've grown up with such privilege, but I grew up in like a middle class, you know, loving family environment in Canada, you know, and so I had this, there were so many levels of privilege and I'm, I'm not a person of color. I'm white, you know, I'm, and I know that if I hadn't grown up with those things, I might, my life would look very different and I might not have been able to get as far as I have. I just feel very fortunate that I get to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to tell stories in the way that I want to, and that's such a privilege. And somehow I don't feel right about it unless I'm sort of helping the world become a better place. And I feel like storytelling has the power to do that. So I want to use my um, my skill set and my position to, um, you know, make positive change. I love that, Susanna. You make it sound so easy and almost natural to care about these social issues and highlight them, but I want to definitely take a moment to commend you for the work you're doing. Um, You make it sound easy, but I'm sure, you know, it comes with its challenges. Um, So coming back to the film, or rather before Jagad, what was your connection or relationship with India? I went to India because I had a film that I wanted to make, um, and this was in 2010. Um, I had an arts grant from Canada Council. Again, such a privilege to be able to get, you know, public funding. And I went to make a film about taxi drivers in Mumbai. Got the story idea from a, a little news clipping, like a, a little, a tiny little story in the, the Ottawa Citizen newspaper. And it was a story about um, this high-tech company in Ottawa um, that was developing CNG engines, like engines, car engines that can run off of natural gas. Mm. And he was tied up with an NGO in Mumbai and they were going to convert all these taxi, taxi cabs engines so that they run off natural gas. And then the NGO had this whole like social um cause, you know, they were teaching the cab drivers English and giving them pensions and, you know, all these great benefits. You know, I was working at CBC, but really looking for that bigger story idea that I wanted to pursue. And I somehow got really excited about this taxi cab story. And so I started researching Mumbai and I saw all these images of the taxis. And of course, Mumbai has these iconic black and yellow yeah. cab, which used to be like the Fiat old school vintage cars. Mm-hmm. And if you get to ride in one today, <laughs> you'll either have a really fun time or you'll hate it because it's so bumpy and there's no air conditioning and like it's, but it's such an experience. Like they have so much character and they have like, you know, like carpeting, like different patterns on the inside and each one is you know, souped up in their own way. So I was really, I was really kind of taken by the kind of the visual aesthetic of the, of Mumbai with the taxis. And then I just sort of started learning more and more about the city. And I was just getting really like intrigued and and I wanted to know more. Like I was just kind of swept away by the idea of Mumbai. Connected, I connected with this Ottawa high-tech guy who was working with this NGO and I, I did a little news story about it for the local news and um, and he connected me with this NGO. So I I went and I met him and I, I filmed with one of his cab drivers and then I was like, but I want it to be about different taxi drivers because I see this like city of contrast of old and new and tradition and, you know, um, innovation 
these calves are sort of frozen in time in their fiats, but then there are these new like innovations happening. So I wanted to look at sort of the just five different cab drivers, you know, one from the NGO, one in the Fiat, maybe a, a woman taxi driver, mm. maybe a private, you know, like a higher end cab driver, stuff like that. And just to like look at where the, how the different stories went. And so I found drivers and um, hired a translator and researcher. So she was helping and I brought a cameraman. So we were, the three of us were going around interviewing cab drivers, but I was totally, blown away, like bowled over by the city. Like I was, you know, one foot in front of the other, like getting through like the research and the filming, but I had so many questions about Mumbai and everything started to just not make sense to me. So I think it was a bit of culture shock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had traveled to Southeast Asia and I, I had, um, I feel like I grew up sort of cultured, <laughs> but um, I, I was not ready for, you know what like it's I was just totally sideswiped um and so I had to take a step back and realize that I didn't feel prepared to tell these stories about these people these specific you know the taxi drivers mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to take a step back and just sort of learn a bit more about Mumbai because only research can only take you so far you have to experience a place before you can really know it and so I thought okay well maybe I'll just start talking to different types of people and that will broaden the scope of the story but it'll it'll broaden my understanding of the city as well and so i just opened it up to all different types of people i love what you said about the fiat taxis being frozen in time such an iconic visual uh, for many Indians and, and those outside of India as well. Um, and I love what you also said about the culture shock. I can't think of the right word to describe it for myself, but even as an Indian who's never lived in India, there's so much I don't know about India today, what matters to you, how they feel about things. Um, and there's so many differences between life in India and Canada that I think for me, it's more of an adjustment period. And, you know, after I get through that period, it's pretty much the same kind of people and motions of life. And it goes both ways. Yeah, and it, yeah, my relationship with it has definitely changed. Um, you know, every time I go back, there's a adjustment that needs to be made because, you know, Canadian cities are so quiet in comparison. They're so spread out and we have so much personal space. Um, so there's always that adjustment. Um, but I don't think I'll ever stop um feeling new to the city each time I go I, I I'm married to a Mumbai car so we had been living there you know for the last several years we've been living part of the year there and part of the year in Canada and every time I go I, I still feel like I have so much to discover about the city it's like never ending mm -hmm. whereas Ottawa is you know, it's it's a great city, but there's only so much to discover. Mm, I can completely relate to that. Um, this segues perfectly into my next question. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about it. Um, you spend your time in both Canada and India. What do you think Canadians need to learn or take inspiration from from Indians when it comes to life there or that Jagad mindset? Uh, and vice versa, what can Indians learn from the Canadian way of life? Hmm. I think that um, everyone practices Jugad. I think it's just yeah. such a great concept to recognize and acknowledge and to sort of think about. 
because we do get so stuck in our ways. We it's easy to fall into our patterns and not have flexibility. But um, when you remember to God, like especially with COVID, like everyone's had to adapt to new circumstances, and it's amazing how quickly things can happen when you when you're bound. You have to make changes. You have to be flexible. So. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> you're living in this different way and you're like, oh, look, this is possible. Um, so I think, and I, I find that Indian culture is more flexible and more intuitive. So I find that people, there doesn't always have to be so much rationality. If, if the feeling is there, this is the way it's gonna go. You know, this is the decision I'm making. We don't have to rationalize everything and be scientific about it. It's just a, a feeling you go with it. And I think part of it might be, you know, if I was to just sort of give an example, when you're driving in Mumbai or even walking on the sidewalk, you're just, there's so many people around you. It's just, you know, it's so crowded. It's one of the most densely populated cities in the world. So most, you know, spaces are just going to be more crowded and you don't always have time to think about where you're gonna go, what's my next move? How am I gonna get over here? How am I gonna get over there? So it's all, you You have to just trust your intuition and let that guide you because you can't think quickly enough, but your intuition can. So it just, I think that people are used to operating in that way. And I think that um, it's so useful and it's such a great way to be because ra rationality doesn't always get us to the best place. I love that perspective about Chagad being about intuition and flexibility versus, um, as some would say, a survival instinct. Um, coming to the film now, let's talk about the title. Were you attracted to the concept of Chagad and then you sort of you know, worked back and found the stories that captured its essence? Or was it the other way around? Was Chagad the word that came to mind when you sat back and saw what you had and it, was that naturally sort of the term you thought of? Tell us a bit about that process. I was looking for a title, to be quite honest. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to call the film. Like, I wanted to be like, Life in Mumbai or something really cheesy. You know, I just, I, I was just looking for something poetic that captured the essence of the city. Because that's what, it, that's what the film is. I was trying to capture the emotional experience of, and the essence of living in Mumbai by you know weaving together stories of people in different communities you, you i could never cover it all as you know somehow jugad just came to me and i i just thought that's that's what this city is this is how people get by this is how people get through their day this is how people get through life like this is the the sort of mantra for mumbai and i love it Absolutely. You know, I probably knew the concept Jagad before I knew the word because I'm from the south of India and Jagad is a Hindi Punjabi word from the north. Um, but, you know, that where there's a will, there's a way sort of thinking is really ingrained in our culture. And you see that in Indians in any part of the world um, and in other cultures, too, of course. Coming to the stories you chose to highlight in the film, you know, the transgender activists, the Indian blogger, they are all from very different segments of society and backgrounds. I'm sure there were many stories that didn't make it to the film as well. I'd love to know more about how you found and chose those stories. Um, you know, I probably had to cut half of the stories. And, and then there were a lot of other sort of moments that I captured. Mm -hmm. uh, some I went to great lengths to capture, others I didn't. 
I just sort of had a list in my head of like, these are the kinds of people, like it started with the taxi drivers, Mm -hmm. definitely a chaiwala because I, the taxi decorator was like one of the first things on my list. Like that was in the, even in the, that was even going to be in the taxi driver story. So I found, um, through my network, I found and hired this amazing woman who researched um, stories for me, translated for me, coordinated shoots, recorded sound sometimes. Couldn't have done it without her. I told her like what my wish list of people was. And then I'd say, but what do you think? So she would make suggestions as well. I wanted it to feel balanced in some way. <laughs> you know, I knew I wanted to capture sort of extreme wealth and extreme poverty. And I wanted, I wanted to capture a moment of crisis. Um, because you hear about it all the time. And I was like, what is it like to be there on the ground? And so this building collapse had happened. And we went, uh, we were able to go on the third day and just got ourselves into the scene where they were, um, the whole community had come together to like dig, dig out the rubble, um, hoping to find survivors. Um, uh, Gregory David Roberts, the author of Shantaram, um, I'd sort of had him on my radar because I'd read the book and I loved the book. And that was part of one of the books I read for my research about Mumbai. And he just happened to post on Facebook that he's in Mumbai. He's going to be at Leopold's Cafe, which is this iconic cafe in Kalaba. And he's doing meet, meet and greet, you know, for whoever wants to come on this Saturday, this coming Saturday. So I, raced down there with my uh, cameraman and we met him and chatted with him and he was like sure like come over come to my suite on Wednesday he was um, staying in a hotel uh, while he was finishing his sequel to Chantaram and uh, so that was just a combination of like just having a pie in the sky wish list um, and then some like serendipitous moments and also just keeping track on what was going on in the city. I love what you said about capturing the extreme wealth and poverty of India, Susanna, and I'd like to definitely say that it it was apparent, you know, throughout the film in a very beautiful, raw, and delicate way. Um, For those who haven't watched the film, there is a scene that stuck in my mind where the blogger Malini Agarwal, she's at a trade show, and, you know, on one hand, you see her relentless hustle to build her career and get out there and make things happen, and in the same frame, you see two women cleaning the floor of the trade show. I remember, you know, when I went to Mumbai two years ago, I saw the Ambani's um, residence and extreme poverty around it. And I think the reality is, you know, whether you choose to acknowledge the disparity or ignore it, it's still very much there. Thanks. That was, that was something I was striving to capture the entire time. Mm. So everywhere I look, because I have that, I have that experience as well. Like everywhere I look, I see that contrast. I see the paradox, the extremes, you know, those extremes exist everywhere in the world, but they're, they're that much more obvious yeah. in Mumbai somehow and, and other parts of India too. Um, but especially in Mumbai, I've found, and um, I really, but it's all, it's sometimes hard to capture in video, like with a camera, um, you have to have the perfect vantage point and you have to have the perfect timing because often something will happen. And by the time your camera is focused on it, the, the thing has happened already and over there so you have to have the timing so it was just a bit of a lucky moment that we were able to capture it but I remember saying like okay let's back up you know let's get this in frame you know we're not 
pointing the finger and like shaking our fingers at Malini. It's just reality. That's what our world is. And um, you can you can react to it how you want to. She's unapologetic about her status and her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone else might feel extreme guilt about it. And another person might just say, oh, sh-, you know, they they deserve, you know, whatever life circumstance, you know, so everyone has a different reaction to it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's there. And yes. it's just so obvious. You can't deny it in Mumbai. Sure. Um, I find that people sometimes try to ignore it, you yeah. know, like, but it's like, you just can't. So one of the praises you've received for the film from many is that it's a very non-judgmental take on Mumbai. I would definitely echo that throughout the entire film. I couldn't even believe there was someone behind the camera. It felt like it's just someone watching like a silent observer, not asserting their view or opinion, but letting reality happen and showing it as it is. A lot of what I had seen growing up in mainstream Indian cinema was the wealth or the India we want to show others or a cleaned up version of India. It's always felt um, you know, like it's coupled with an opinion and that's changing over the past couple of years, but this felt so raw and I really appreciated that. Thanks. Thank you. That was my total intention. I wanted to feel like a fly on the wall and, but yet make it known that like, of course there's a person behind the camera and it's an outsider. Like I wanted to leave little reminders here and there, but I did want people, the audience to become engrossed and, you know, feel that they were almost there. You know, I wanted to feel like an immersive experience. You're just sitting on the street corner watching life pass you by. You know, you just sort of wait for people to forget you're there. That's awesome. Did you have any moments where you felt like you really understood the culture or any interesting experiences or stories from when you were shooting this film? I feel like that happened every day (laughs) I was out there. (laughs) I was really moved by this interaction I had with these kids. And maybe this is not the most uh, original answer, but um, I came across these kids who were just playing outside and they were they had clay and they were building these Ganesha Mm -hmm. idols yep and they just you know I sort of came we came up to them we were just chatting with them like what are you doing and um and then they just sort of started like performing and like playing the Ganpati music and they knew all the beats they just were you know, imitating a larger uh, Ganpati celebration, but they just had like sticks and boards that were lying around and they had this clay and then they took the Ganesha down to the river and did the whole immersion and danced off, you know, and that's the last scene that I use in the film. Um, Because to me, it was total Jugad and it also just spoke to the um, carrying on of tradition and life you know, it was kind of a poetic ending for me. I loved that scene because for me, it was one of those symbolic scenes that really stays with you. Um, And it really shows you that you can find happiness in these micro moments, even when life doesn't give you the best cards. Yeah, yes. And that's something I appreciate so much about, I find so refreshing about um, life and Mumbai. And it's not to say like, oh, look, like, you know, like I've, heard so many Westerners say, oh, look, like poor people can be happy too. You know, like it's just such a terrible like attitude to take away. But so it's like, there's a distinction between like 
you can be poor and happy. Look how happy these people are. But like yep. just the fact that you can find joy in these in simple moments. Yeah. And life is more about enjoying moments than like what do I have or what do I don't have? And that will determine how happy I am. Um, so that's really, really refreshing. So you've taken this film to many festivals around the world. It's it's obviously on Netflix now and being watched by a very global audience. Um, what was the global response to this movie uh, from people you know across different cultures, or also maybe different people in different segments of society? What did you notice? Filmmakers didn't take to it the way that some other people did. The entire time I was making this film, I was kind of trying to undo what I had learned in journalism school and what I thought sort of like current filmmaking values are. And I wasn't trying to make the story too clean or tight or live up to a, my expectation of what the story should be. I was just trying to represent feeling and moments and, and reflect emotion, essentially, experience, emotional experiences in the essence of a place. So I think it was hard for filmmakers to know what to do with it because like you know you might send a cut to a filmmaker friend for notes and and they'd be like so what is your what is the story here what what is the focus and what is the you know and and i wasn't always able to articulate super well that like well actually i don't need it to i i don't intend for it to have um you know this perfectly um beginning middle end story arc narrative story arc that we're used to um, it was more about impression and feeling. So a sort of more intellectual take or academic take on the film, what might not be so strong as like the reaction of someone who's lived in Mumbai and says, oh my God, that is exactly what this city is. Like I've had so many people tell me who are from Mumbai, who have lived there, who have traveled there, who said this is like thank, they thanked me for making it because it represents their city mm -hmm. and to me that is like the ultimate compliment because like that's who it's for like that or that's that's like the where i set the bar like that's how we know like did i succeed and so i feel like i totally did and i think that people in mumbai haven't seen their city represented in this way before mm -hmm. where it's just so realistic it's so real and also it introduces them to people and communities they might not otherwise interact with. Yep. And so, you know, one friend said, you know, I, I never thought to talk to the chi my Chaiwala and like get, listen to their story or like those taxi decorators, like they're so amazing and, you know, their story is so incredible. And like, I've never thought about the person that created all this like iconic um, imagery like they're iconic images that are all over like the tack the decorations these vinyl stickers on the taxis yeah such a strong um visual impact on the city they're part of the fabric of the city but they've um you know people don't necessarily think about like the person who made by hand those symbols um and i've also heard from people who are just sort of like really interested in different culture and traveling or maybe they don't get to travel and they're just really yep. curious people and they also love it. Like they just love that they get this um, journey through this city and they, they really feel like, okay, I really understand like what it might like to be, what it might be like to be in Mumbai now. Some would consider you to be an outsider. Um, I hate this term because I think in some sense, if you look back 
in history we're all outsiders in some way or the other did you face any criticism though tied to this or feel like there was some resistance around you being able to share these stories because you're not from india or you're not perceived to have a stake in the reality the most resistance i've gotten has been from maybe canadians um canadian filmmakers there has been a lot of colonial storytelling where it's just the westerners perspective on an exotic new place and you know it's um we're, we're dazzled by the aesthetic of it and and the um which can i guess that can be done in a good way but the sort of colonial mentality and and it's led to so much stereotyping it can be exploitative you parachute in get the story that you need and you get out of there and to no benefit of the people you're filming. Mm -hmm. And so um, I knew I knew that I didn't have anything monetary to offer the people I was filming with or um, you know, I wasn't gonna change their lives. What was important to me was to approach each individual with the utmost with the utmost respect and dignity. I always expressed um, how how I hope to just share a little bit about their story, but that they were in charge. And so I wouldn't push in certain areas if they, you know, we would discuss ahead of time, like, where can we and can't we go? Um, and I think that helped a lot. It felt more like a nice exchange rather than me just taking. That's really interesting. You know, my initial assumption would have been that the resistance was coming from people from within the culture. Um, but it's really interesting to to hear what you've just said and and to match that with you know, who has appreciated the film. It is Indians and Mumbaikers who've loved and embraced the film. So very interesting insight. Um, I want to know a bit more about the process for making this film. Um, I know it involved a lot of Jagad. Uh, you had a crowdfunding campaign and were very creative with raising financing. And I'm sure there was a lot more involved. Um, how did you lean into Jagad to make Jagad? <laughs> so I did a lot of things that I would have love to have hired people to do but i didn't have the resources so i shot about a third of the film and i um recorded some of the sound edited the film <laughs> um and yeah i i just knew that i needed to get it done any way i could i borrowed some money mm -hmm. um from family which again is a huge privilege but i was able to borrow some money and then i and i did the fundraiser um and that was that was so uncomfortable <laughs> i don't know if i'll ever do one again because i hate asking people for money but i had to get it done and um and people were generous so i would just go out and do things you know it just sort of had a can-do mentality about everything and then just think of all the creative ways i think i'm a pretty good creative troubleshooter mm -hmm. so i find the way of doing it in a really practical way and then it's done. Can I tell you a very Jugad moment that I had? Yes, please go ahead. Okay, so I was trying to get into, um, it was during the Ganpati festival and it was, um, I was trying to get into one of the main temples in Mumbai and everyone was lining up to go into the temple. There were just throngs of people. It was just crowd. It was so, the crowds were so insane. Like thousands and thousands of people would pass through this at this little tiny little temple all day long for you know several days in a row. And I just went by myself and I had my 
camera on a little um, monopod and I was just like carrying it around and I was like, okay, I really want to like, how am I going to get a good shot of this? And so I just kind of like snuck off to the side, told, I, I tried to get up, like I knew I saw, I looked up and I saw there, there were these cameramen who were filming it for like the news channels. Okay. So they had this beautiful wide shot of like the big um, Ganesha idol that everyone was lining up to to get to and I was like I just need to get up that stairwell so I spoke to a security guard and he's like where are you from like I'm from the media <laughs> he's like he's like no you can't get in and I was like okay and then he kind of walked away and I just like ran I just went for it. I just ran <laughs> I ran up the stairs and I and then I was in and I was in and I got the opening shot of the film you get your answers from people, but you kind of have to make your own openings. Wow. So much Jagad involved in making Jagad. I don't think I'll ever get tired of saying that. Um, you know, you were talking a bit about running up the stairs with your small camera and one person team at that point, And it reminded me of something. So one or two years ago at the Toronto International Film Festival, one of the short films nominated, I believe it won an award as well, was entirely shot on an iPhone, a couple of minutes long, and it was forwarded to me on WhatsApp, actually. I say this because media has become so accessible and flexible with the rise of smartphones, apps like TikTok, Instagram, and OTT platforms like Netflix, Prime, Hotstar, providing us with new channels for people to watch from anywhere. As a filmmaker, what's your perspective on the democratization of filmmaking and the arts? Is there more room for leaning into a Jagad mindset in this context? Absolutely. I think it's great because I wouldn't be filmmaking if it wasn't as accessible as it is. You know, I wouldn't have had a celluloid film budget. <laughs> I went with a DSLR. It actually worked to my advantage because then we, we weren't a huge film crew. And in fact, my camera looked like a still camera. I mean, it is a still camera. So people thought I was a tourist a lot of the time, which is why I didn't draw more attention than I did. You know, people don't need an image should be perfect anymore. I mean, if we ever did, you know, it's, we, we put up with bad images if the story's good. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the story and stories are free. Like they come from our imagination or they come from our minds. So um, I think it's just great that there's more access and there is more room. There's, I'm absolutely convinced that there's room for everyone. Yeah. Um, there isn't room for everyone at TIFF. You know, there isn't room for everyone at the festivals. But there's always a way, a platform, um, you know, word of mouth, like YouTube. I just think people are being so innovative nowadays. What's happening is that with all this access, we have, you know, we have the restrictions of budget, but that leads to more creativity. Mm -hmm. So this is essentially like the magic of Jugad in action, right? So we we um, don't have our Hollywood budgets or our Bollywood budgets, but um, a, a restriction can lead to something even better. Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes having too many resources can soften us too much, and we lose our creative edge. Yeah. We always we always think we're at the end of you know oh, there couldn't possibly be another story good story out there, and then someone comes out of the woodworks with just something so beautiful and profound and new you know you just reminded that it's this um renewable resource you know like we're never gonna run out of it 
Thank you, Susanna, for your film and your insights. For those who haven't seen the film, do watch To God on Netflix or add it to your list for a chill night at home. In other words, most nights these days. Um, that brings us to the end of episode three and, and halfway through this season. There's still two more episodes to go, but what a journey it's been already. As always, send us your comments, thoughts, questions. We want to hear from you. Join the community at Jagad Community on Instagram or Facebook. And join me for episode four as I continue to explore the many dimensions of modern day Jagad. We'll see you soon. Thank you.